We know that building and running a company is hard work and that its success requires great leadership. Because we believe people can achieve incredible things, we want to shine a light on those people who are improving their organizations. Join us as Core Talent's Laura King invites presidents, CEOs, and executives to share their stories on how they have transformed their business and implemented unique strategies to ensure its success. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. Here's your host, Laura King. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. This is Laura King here with Heidi Olson of All-in-One Accounting. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Laura. Glad to be here. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about All-in-One Accounting and your role? I am Heidi Olson, and I'm the founder and CEO of All-in-One Accounting. And at All-in-One Accounting, we service small businesses and nonprofits, and we take them from financial chaos to business clarity and beyond. And how we do that is we layer in tiered financial expertise and accounting leadership. So I have a team of accountants, controllers, and CFOs, and we work with small businesses and nonprofits every day. We have about 250 clients. I have 50 people on my team. And we love small business and nonprofits and entrepreneurs, and we do accounting and strategy and budgeting and forecasting and kind of everything that goes around that accounting function for, for our clients. And we were, we were just talking before we hit the record button. We're talking about really how, what it's like to work with small businesses right now. And Heidi, <laughs> you, you had a good, good kind of segue into you know, your passion, which is really very evident in, um, in really servicing nonprofit and small business. But how did you come into, you know, this kind of stepping into this role? Can you take us back and, and kind of give the, give the story of how this all came to be? I mean, you're 50 employees now, but how did this all start? Absolutely. So about 15 years ago, um, I was doing tax and audit work uh, back in my CPA days. And I realized that there were so many small businesses that I worked with and nonprofits that were just struggling to get their day-to-day accounting done. And they would come in uh, to get their taxes done or their audit done, and they were just a mess. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. you know. They, and they would be so stressed out, and they would just be beside themselves. And uh, my parents are both entrepreneurs. And I grew up in a small farming community in southwestern Minnesota, so around farmers and small business owners. And so I just have this passion for for small businesses um, and entrepreneurs. And I thought, you know, so I saw all these people struggling, and I thought there's just got to be a better way to do this. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start a business to support these or these small businesses and nonprofits and organizations. And of course, I had the the great timing that my husband always reminds me of being six months pregnant at the time. Um, But I thought, you know, I'm going to start this business out of my basement, six months pregnant. Let's see how this goes, right? (laughs) My husband thought I was completely insane, uh, but threw threw the shingle up um, outside my house and started this business. And that was 15 years ago um, and really just wanted to help and impact people's lives, bringing clarity to their financials, uh, bringing information. Because I thought, you know, how are these, how are these small businesses running their, 
their businesses? How are they making decisions? How are they even knowing where they're at? Are they profitable? How, how are they deciding if they can hire employees? How are they deciding if they can purchase equipment or opening up another location? Um, if they don't even know anything about um, how they're performing throughout the year until they get to tax time, it's way too late at that point. So I started this business 15 years ago out of my basement and um, really just thinking I would, I would service all these clients myself and um, do this as, as I was um, starting a family. And uh, fast forward to today, we're at uh, 50 employees and we have 250 clients and we are making such an impact um, on this community. And actually, we have clients all over the nation at this point. And it's really exciting. And man, technology has really uh, changed the way that we um, interact with our clients. About 80% of uh, the work that we do is now remote. And actually, right now, with the shelter in place, 100% of what we're doing is remote with our clients, um, given that we can't go on site. So it's a really um, interesting time right now with everything that's going on um, with the pandemic. And that's given us a new opportunity to engage with our clients as well. Um, so I've learned a lot over the last 15 years growing this business from, from nothing. And I think we should, we should uh, make sure that we share the date. Uh, today is May 1st, 2020. So I think uh, in the context of uh, you know not sure where when this will air, it's good to, good to give a give a, a, a timestamp of, of where we're at, and, um, and and so let's talk about that. I mean, you are working with business owners right now who um, it, we just got the second round of, of PPP, right? So tell us about what's going on and what kind of the vantage point that you have. Absolutely. So we're in our second round of funding from the SBA on the PPP loans. We, uh, we've been working really um, diligently to get information out to all small businesses and nonprofits. In the first round, we had a lot of success working with our clients. We were able to secure um, with them over $21 million of funding to almost 100 small businesses um, and nonprofits, which is just, um, I'm ecstatic about. Um, this team worked extremely hard to uh, get that information compiled, work with our clients to calculate the loans, get the applications in and work with all uh, probably up to 20, 25 lenders uh, to get all of that in. And it was a complicated uh, process as well as a very stressful time because the rules were changing and every lender had a little bit different approach as well as the SBA not really having all of their um, systems uh, ready to go and uh, working uh, seamlessly. And so um, I think that some point during that process, they actually named uh, CPAs and accountants first responders. And I would say that was a very appropriate designation. Um, and certainly looking at the way that my team, the pressure that they were under and how they had to come um, to the table with all of these solutions. I'm extremely proud of this team and the results that we were able to deliver with our clients. Oh, as you, as you should be, $21 million in 100 nonprofit and small businesses that you helped. That's yeah. amazing. Fantastic work by this team. Very proud. So, so give us um, some context to it in terms of, um, you know, like looking back, are there certain times in, in the scaling up of your business that you can say, gosh, this has really helped us move the needle? Because it's not like you don't go through some very big growing pains because, um, you know, going from zero employee, well, you, one employee, uh, 15 years ago to where you are at today. You know, can you, can you share with us just really, you know, what, what some of those needle movers were for, for you personally? 
Absolutely. And it gets a little bit um, challenging to think back many years now, but I would say there are probably three or four big things that happened in the business. One, I think, is when I actually decided to move the business out of my home. Uh, that was a that was a big move for me. I, I never actually thought that was going to happen, but when I did, there there seemed to be this um, real turn in the tides. I think we were at about eight uh, team members at that point, and to move it out of my home into an office space, I think really did um, really change uh, the tempo of growth, um, and it allowed us to really accelerate that. Uh, two is when we uh, read and implemented traction or EOS. That was a second big um, accelerator. The third is when we started working with an implementer to implement traction. Uh, that was another, I would say, big um, accelerator. And then I would say probably the biggest accelerator was when we promoted uh, Becky Lewis to be our integrator on our team. And that allowed me to get out of sitting in both of those seats and focus solely on sitting in the visionary seat as well as the sales seat. And that has been a tremendous um, asset to this team and really allowed us to grow um, in a very exponential way. And it's been wonderful because she and I work so well together. And so did you try to self-implement traction um, yourself? I did for many years. Okay. Yep. And what, what was it that made you say, gosh, we're just going to, we're going to hire an implementer now? Well, the team had gotten big enough where I think that it didn't make sense for me to do it on my own. And I felt that it there were so many of the tools that I didn't fully understand how to make work. And it was I was very impressed with the implementer um, that we worked with. And I just knew that the organization really needed the structure and the interpretation of everything that EOS had to offer. Wonderful. So what about uh, the future? I mean, do you have lofty goals to, to continue to grow, Heidi? Where, where is this thing headed? Absolutely. There are so many more small businesses and nonprofits that can use our help and our partnership. Uh, we are eager to engage with them and know that with um, our leadership and the things that we can bring to the table, that they can have some insights and data that will really help them grow and will help them understand how they make money, um, some of the risks and opportunities that um, they're, they're facing right now, uh, and how to, how to engage with those things and how they can better their businesses because of it. In terms of your your circle, um, how do you continue to grow from a from a leadership perspective? Are are you involved in CEO roundtables? Do you I mean you know talk to us a little bit more about how what's worked for you in terms of um, your progression on you know because it, it's it's a journey right uh, both as a as a leader but also as you know the the entrepreneurial journey. So love to hear. Um, you know, what, what it's been, um, and, and maybe, you know, perhaps just um, some shedding some light on what's worked well for you. Absolutely. Well, I think first of all, to say that as the CEO of a company, um, it's lonely. And, and so I, and I think that um, 
it's important to have other people to talk to when you're when you're the CEO because the reality is that you're sitting in a seat that no one else is in the same seat as you in your organization. And so having a peer group, I think, is extremely important. So I've been a man, member of Allied Executives for many years, and I find great value in that. I never miss a meeting. Um, I'm very close with my group. I consider them colleagues and friends and mentors to me. And so that's one thing that I find extremely valuable. Two, over the years, I've been involved in a number of situations, uh, not consistently over years, but again, um, depending on where I'm at, I'm very committed to being a great leader. And so when I find that I have gaps or when I need to grow in certain areas, I seek um, additional mentorship or guidance in those areas because I don't think any of us were, were born with all those leadership skills. And as my company has grown, um, I my leadership and, and my role as, this, as a CEO has changed. I always tell other CEOs, plan on your job changing about every six to eight months because you're when you're the CEO of a million dollar company, your job looks like this. When you're the CEO of a $2 million company, it looks like this and, and so on and so forth. So when you're the CEO of a $10 million company, your job is going to look much differently. So you have to constantly be looking at your leadership skills and what you're bringing to the table changing. Um, so right now, my job is much different than when I started it in my basement 15 years ago. So I've really had to evolve and change and grow and, and it didn't necessarily come naturally for me. So I really had to push myself and out of my comfort zone. And so what I do today, if you would have told me 15 years ago, when I was sitting in my basement, actually servicing clients, that this is what I was going to be doing today, I would have said, no way. That is absolutely not what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> but here I am, because the reality is that it allows more small businesses and nonprofits to be successful. And that's why I do it. That's my passion. If you had to look back, what things would you have done sooner? Um, I would have moved out of my home office sooner. I would have implemented traction sooner. And I would have promoted Becky Lewis to integrator sooner. And I would have gotten out of client work sooner because that also really held us back that I was out doing client work for so long. When did you stop doing client work? Uh, probably about three or four years ago. Okay. What fills you up the most during like the, the actual parts of your day that you can say, this is why I do what I do. Are you, do you have enough of that? That's like fueling you and you can use our current situation too to, um, you know, give some context of the, the actual activities that are, that are fueling you to, to keep going. When clients reach out and are so thankful for the impact that we had on their businesses. When friends reach out and say, you helped me get that loan and now my business will survive. That's what fills me up. When I see that they're not gonna lose their home, they didn't lose their job, their kids can still eat, like all those things that, I mean, that truly is the impact that we're having on organizations and families. That truly matters. And you are not the one that's servicing those accounts, right? So it's, it's getting out of that mentality that you have to be the one as the owner and founder of the business that is servicing these clients. Yep, but it's the team. It takes a while because I know um, no others who it, it's, it's been a complete journey to, to, like, you know, to remove themselves because they like being the person. They like yeah. being the, the, the savior, the, you know, the expert. Um, 
So any, any, any tips along, along those lines in terms of how you can almost kind of get over, almost get over yourself? Well, how I talk with other leaders about it is um, what is the highest and best use of your time? So at some point, me servicing clients was not the highest and best use of my time. And if, if my true goal is to help more small businesses and nonprofits, the best way that I can do that is by expanding our reach as an organization. And as the CEO, it's not for me to be going out and servicing clients. It's for me to sell more work and build my team and lead. And so I really, I mean, and I'm more comfortable doing client work and I love doing client work, but I had to let that go, right? Let go of the vine let go of it and, and push myself out of my comfort zone. So part of it is just being able to let go of things that you're really comfortable and good at again and pushing yourself to do things that you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so again, what am I passionate about and going back to my core values and really making some hard decisions and that was those, those are really hard. And it took me over, it took me a couple years to, slowly wean my billable goal hour down from 40 a week. And, and my team had to really also push me to say, okay, now you got to peel another five hours off. Cause again, I love working with clients and that was the passion, my passion and, and how I also built the business was working with clients. So that was very hard for me to do, but I did it because it was what was best for the organization. And it was what was best for the business and for us to help more clients long-term. Oh, well, you've got an amazing self-awareness. I think that's also a, a great uh, trait to have when you're in your in that seat to know, okay, I, I'm aware of what I need to change. And 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 team, you can hold me accountable, right? <laughs> to to help me on this journey. Well, and that and that's part of traction though. That's right. part of the traction model where you sit down every quarter and you make rocks and you keep each other accountable. And that's how you can keep a CEO visionary accountable too. Otherwise, without that system, I think it'd be pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why, you know, at, at, at Core Talent, I mean, a good 60% of our clients run on traction. And it actually makes our, our jobs easier. Um, because there's already that discipline in, set, set in, in place. So I want to at least give you an opportunity to to, to share because um, you know we were talking I guess a little bit before clicking the record button here about um, some lessons you've learned along the way in terms of your own hiring. Oh yeah! Wow, this has been um, one of the biggest lessons. And um, let me just talk about a couple things. One one thing we've learned is to hire the core values. And in when when I st- when I sit down with people, I actually ask specific questions around core value alignment. So that's been one thing. Um, the other thing that I talk about is this passion that I have about small business and nonprofits. And I ask specifically, do they have a passion and love for small businesses and nonprofits? And if they do, they're going to absolutely love working at All One Accounting. But if you don't. I think you're going to really probably not like it here. And so to really make those connections with our core values and our mission and our vision and this passion of why I started the business and try to kind of connect all these things together, because those are the people that do really well here that like working with visionaries and entrepreneurs and have kind of that, that spirit, like you, like you talked about what fills you up. If these are the things that fill, fill you up, you'll love, you'll love working here. 
if these kinds of things don't fill you up, then you won't be getting filled up here and you probably won't like it here. But I'd rather identify those things up front so we hire the right people because that that turning of staff, that's not good for anyone. You know, we don't need that. Our team doesn't need that. Our clients don't need that. You know, and that's one thing that we work really hard to make sure that we recruit, retain, and retrain the right people, right? We really want the right people on our team. It's extremely important. That's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned in this 15 years is having the right people on my team. Absolutely. I want to hire the best people I can. I want to surround myself with the smartest people I can that are the best fit for my organization. That is probably the, that's probably what we spend 90% of our time on here. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is what fuels your organization. It is. Absolutely. I'm glad you've got what I almost almost would call like the knockout questions, right? If, if these are not in alignment, these are non-negotiable. Like yep. we're, we're not going to try to like say, oh, well, but they bring all these other great things. Like, no, this is a hard and fast no if they don't meet this criteria. No, because they could have the right technical skills. They could pass all of our other tests that we do. They could they could get past Crystal. They could get past Becky. They could get past everyone else in our organization. But if if they sit down with me and they don't they don't align with the core values of the company and they don't have this passion for small business and nonprofit, they're not going to work here. Right. And then we're wasting all kinds of time and money and effort and and no, we're going to as a leadership team and as an organization, we're going to end up really suffering if we make that hire. Anything else in, in regard to hiring and getting, getting the right people in the right seat? I would say as an organization, I would spend in a, a massive amount of time and energy to set up the right systems to make that happen. And that, that to me, if I could go back and do it over again, I would from the get-go spend time and energy to get that set up the right way from the beginning because the amount of time and energy I've spent hiring the wrong people and the, the damage that it's done to my organization, if I could have hired the right people from the beginning, I would be so much further ahead. I would say because people can damage or they can positively impact, right? So what's it going to be? And it's impossible to even put a number on that. Oh, you can't. So you could be doing everything else right, right? You could have the right technology. You can have the right systems. You have market. You have the readership. You can have. You can do everything else right in your organization, but if you hire the wrong people, it doesn't matter. And I think, like, to really let that sit in, because I think it, consciously everyone knows that, but it's not common practice. Like, there's a there's a disconnect between what we know and what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and the other reality is, I you know how do we know how to hire? Like I, I'm an accountant. When I, when I started my business, like I didn't know how to hire people. I could look at who's a good accountant. I could figure out from a technical standpoint, who knows debits and credits. Again, that's the easy part. It took me 15 years to figure out how to ask about core value alignment and passion alignment and mission and vision alignment. Someone mm-hmm. should have taught me that 15 years ago. Imagine how much further ahead I would have been. Well, that's the most enjoyable piece about what I get to do is, is I get to come into an organization and absorb that information because us, you know, as recruiters, we become a 
a brand ambassador for our clients. And we have to under, really understand like all the, all those nuances um, to know what, what right quote unquote right looks like to you. And like, that is the most enjoyable piece is, is really, you know, kind of, okay. The skill set's one thing, but the harder piece time and time again is always culture. Well, cause I, I, I can teach technical too, right? Mm-hmm. I can, I can teach debits and credits. I can teach someone how to do a bank rack. I can teach someone how to produce financials or debt. all of that's teachable. The stuff, this other stuff is not. Yeah. I like to, I like to, to, to put it this way. Can you really teach someone to care so much about their job that they're up at 10 o'clock at night doing research, not because you told them to, but because they genuinely want to? So that probably would be the, the biggest thing that I probably would tell a new entrepreneur is people, people, people. Yeah. Not location, location, location. People, people, people. Love it. So before coming into the lightning round, um, Heidi, what advice do you have for other business leaders navigating through these turbulent times? My advice would be this. Get yourself positioned to come out of it strong by having solid information and by having a plan A and a plan B. So keep your financials current. Know where you're at. Take advantage of every single governmental program that's available. So get your hands on as much cash, loans, grants, whatever's out there that's that's available to you. Make sure you understand all because there's so much out there right now. So work with somebody who, who understands it all that can help you navigate it all. And then have plan A. So you're proceeding along the way things are going now with good information, accurate, timely financials, and then have triggers in case things get worse. That's plan B. So plan A, plan B, and keep a good eye on everything. That's my advice. So if someone's listening to this and they don't have that in their, in their life right now, or maybe they're not quite sold on who they're currently getting their information from, um, how might they go about reaching out to All-in-One Accounting? They can call me directly. At, I can give you the number, 651-289-7661, or they can visit us at our website, allinoneaccounting.com. What's a book that you've read, call it in the last three years, that you recommend most to others? The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni. Okay. I'll have to add that one to my list. What is your favorite app and why? Uh, Instacart, because that's how I've survived this pandemic, everything being delivered to my home. Amen. What is a fun fact people would never guess about you? I have four kids and two grandkids. Oh, we're both part of the four kid club. <laughs> You're just further along in the journey. Yeah. Than I am. What's, uh, or do you have a morning routine? I am just going to go with, I hate mornings. <laughs> we're, we're more similar than, than we thought. I am, I'm the same. <laughs> All right, Heidi. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and, uh, and good luck as we continue to uh, navigate through these, uh, these interesting times. Thank you, Laura. 
Thanks for joining us on Core Talent Connects. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app and share this episode with a friend or colleague. Hi, I'm Laura King from Core Talent. I'd like to invite you to visit coretalent.com to learn more about how Core Talent accelerates business growth through people. That's C-O-R-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. And if you're interested in having me speak on a panel or at your next event about the evolution of recruiting, modern workplace culture, retention, or employee engagement, please drop me a note at lking at coretalent.com or ping me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.